But if you will go ahead and turn with me on Exodus chapter 29, verses 10 through 14, is what we'll be reading today. Um, as we've spent the past couple of weeks going through this idea of the gospel, breaking down the gospel, that it, it's not just one event that constitutes the gospel, but the gospel has as something that has been going on since the beginning of time. We, we recognize in Genesis, God Himself begins the story of the gospel, of redemption, of salvation, of salvation, of His mercy and caring for His people. And we see that throughout all the scriptures on how the fall comes, but Jesus, but God still loves us, and and they come and they go in captivity, but he, he delivers on his promises, and if his promises are true then, his promises are still true now. But today I want us to talk about the sacrifice, a sacrifice. Amen. So we'll read here in Exodus chapter 29, verses 10 through 14. So it says, You shall also have the bull brought before the tabernacle of meeting, and Aaron and his sons shall put their hands on the head of the bull. Then you shall kill the bull before the Lord by the door of the tabernacle of meeting. You shall take some of the blood of the bull and put it on the horns of the altar with your finger and pour all the blood beside the base of the altar. And you shall take all the fat that covers the entrails, the fatty lobe and attached to the liver and the two kidneys and the fat that is, uh, that is on them and burn them on the altar. But the flesh of the bull with its skin and its offal you shall burn with fire outside the camp. It is a sin offering. Yeah. Exodus 29, 10-14. We've talked about how God cares for his creation. We've established that. We made it. It's all that was good. He cares for us. We talked about how mankind fell into sin. They took of, of the tree that they weren't supposed to, and they fell into sin. But even in that instant, God just didn't cast out and say, I'm done with you. He, 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 began, he began in that moment this redemption plan. He, he, we know in Genesis 3, 15, he says, there will be somebody that comes from the seed of this woman that crushes Satan, that crushes the enemy, Right? We learned about how faith, how he's faithful to the promises. But with all those things together, how will God redeem his creation? How does God redeem his creation? How does God deal with sin? You know, I, I've realized in, in my ministry, many times people ask questions, well, why doesn't God just look over sin, overlook sin? Why doesn't God just... Go and, and just for, forgive and forget about everybody's sin and just let everybody do what they want to do. If he's God, if he's so powerful, if all these things, then why, why does why does he just why does he care about our sin? Why do, why doesn't he just over overlook it? But the answer is that, that God is just. He is perfect and just. And justice is only needed if something morally wrong has been done. We know that God is good. He is morally upright, holy, and righteous in His character. For God to uphold what is good, pure, and right, He must condemn sin. Let us not forget that sin is serious. It's a serious transgression against God Himself. It is destructive and it is the antithesis of what God is. And all that God is good and pure and perfect, sin is evil and destructive and corrupting of all that God has made and all that God has, cre- God has created. God being perfect and good was compelled by His nature, and that perfect and good, to enforce a punishment upon the, the inception of sin into the world that He created. He saw sin, He saw Adam and Eve, they disobeyed Him, and the goodness within Him saw that sin, saw the evil, saw what they had done, and He was compelled to create this punishment. And that's where that comes up, and we know that they have to, and we still today, have to face death, and they face separation from God Himself. This is the punishment 
for sin. Now, we've said it before and we understand that once that sin has occurred, once that separation has happened, the breaking of the relationship that mankind had with God, God had no responsibility over us. He, he didn't have to mend that. That's right. But we know that He did. That's right. That He does. That He is working in that to bring us together. God could have sat upon His throne and watched generation after generation after generation be born into this evil, stricken world of sin and live a life of sin all their life. And all they know is, is separation from God and all they know is death and, and separation from Him in eternity. He could have done that. But He saw our plea. He saw our plot. And He was moved. And that good, perfect nature that, drove, that caused Him to create the punishment also drove Him to create a way for us to find forgiveness. And that is where we get to the scripture here that we've read this morning. He initiated the plan in Genesis 3.15. But in Genesis 3.15, he didn't say how I'm going to redeem you. He didn't say how I'm going to bring forgiveness for your sins. And up to this point, we don't see that. It's not written down. It's not elaborated. It's not told to us how we can have forgiveness from sins up until Exodus in the Mosaic Law. And that's what we find here. Is one of the instances where God is instructing Moses on how they are supposed to give a sin sacrifice, a sin offering. And we're taught that. So we're shown that God has developed and established this plan for us to have forgiveness through sacrifice. You know, we might read this process. And we've seen it played out in Scripture. It's talked about oftentimes throughout the Mosaic Law, the first five books of the Bible. We see it, in, it talked about whenever we talk about the temple and those practices, this idea of sacrifice. And a lot of times in our modern way of thinking, we say, man, that's pretty harsh. Sacrifice, that, that sounds pretty aggressive. Maybe a little overbearing. Isn't that a little too much? Did, did he really have to, to go that to that point, go that, that far? But remember, sin was a serious transgression against God. Yeah. It wasn't just something God could take lightly and overlook and just say it's going to be okay. It was something that grieved Him, that hurt Him, that His creation, what He molded and made from the dust to the ground, had come to this place where they transgressed against His desire for their life, had sinned and broken themselves off from Him through that sin, that the punishment and the way to find forgiveness had to be just as serious just as focused, just as important as the sin that caused it. And here we find the sacrifice. And it's difficult for us to, to contemplate that. Sacrifice is something that we don't like to talk about. We don't like to talk about in our everyday life. We don't talk about, like to talk about sacrificing our time, sacrificing our money, sacrificing our abilities. We don't like to talk about that. Sacrifice is hard. Sacrifice is difficult. Yeah, well, At times. But here we see God is instructing His people. You've messed up. Adam and Eve, and all the way through here, you continue to mess up. Right. I did deliver you out of Egypt, and what do you do? You go and you build an idol, a golden calf, to worship when Moses is up on the mountain. I do this for you, and I do that for you, and then you sin again. You fall short again. The punishment and the way to get out of that punishment has to be just as strenuous as the transgression that occurred to need it, to make it necessary. 
Because ultimately, what, what I want us to, want you to understand with the idea of sacrifice, what sacrifice is, it isn't just trying to appease God. It isn't just trying to do some sacrifices is, is when, the way they were doing it. They would bring the animal in, and the animal would take the sin upon them through this process. And that, that sin was then rolled ahead for a year, and then it was not a burden upon them. And thus they didn't have to experience the death. The animal took the death upon themselves for their sin. And that's the sacrifice process. We say sacrifice in modern terms, and, and we get a kind of little bit squeamish, but this is how they handled things, and this is how God instructed them, because it was serious. I want to stress that it was serious. We didn't live in that time. Right. We didn't walk the same roads they did. They didn't, we didn't go through the same things that they did. But they were the ones that was developed, like God was developing this plan through, and he wanted to make sure they understood what's going on here is serious. And where we haven't had to to do and go through the same processes that the early these early followers of God had to, the early people of God had to, sometimes we don't realize and understand how serious sin is. Yes, we see people that take upon take sin upon in their life. They may have addictions. They may do bad things in their life. And we see the harm that it causes. We see people die of overdose. seems like in the news every, every couple of days. We see families separated because of abuse, because of uh, pornography and, and sexual things and perversions. We see these things happen. We understand that that's, a cause of, that's uh, because of sin. But we need to realize that sin in our lives is serious. Without that, the punishment was death. The punishment still is death. Somebody has to die because of sin. Somebody has to carry that. Something weighs on somebody. And God developed this process in the, with, early, with the early Israelites and everything through this sacrifice where the animals took that punishment upon themselves so that his people wouldn't. But he wanted them to recognize the seriousness of it through the death of their animals. The firstborn of the animals. The best of the animals. The best of these things. So they would understand this is serious. And we as Christians in today in modern society, we don't sacrifice much to follow Christ. We come to church sometimes on Sunday morning. We go and serve once a year maybe around Christmas, around the holidays or Thanksgiving. We go and we offer up a meal. We don't sacrifice much so we don't recognize the importance and the significance and the seriousness of sin in our lives. But it was real to them. Yeah. They understood the significance and the, and, the, and the seriousness of sin and how it was destructive and how it was destroying their families and lives because they saw it, this example of it, daily. We don't see that because God made a way to deal with sin. And we get to that point and we realize that Christ is the perfect sacrifice. You know, this system of sacrifice for forgiveness of sins was limited. It was limited at that time. You offered up the ox or the, or the, the sheep or the dove, and it, it would roll the sins ahead for, for a year. That's what we understand of it. And then they'd have to offer up sacrifices again and, and atone for those sins again and go through that process for, for all their days. And this in itself didn't, guarantee, it didn't give them a place in heaven. We understand there's a place of Abraham's bosom where the Bible talks about where, where Christ went and told the people after he was dead, buried, and res- you know, before he resurrected, hey, I am the Messiah that you all waited for. You took part in all these things. You did what my father told you to. I'm the way out. I'm the redemption that you've been waiting for. It didn't give him a place in heaven. It just rolled the sins ahead. It, it rolled the sins ahead for a time, for a period, for a season, so they didn't have to bear the weight of the penalty of death that sin brought about it. 
Because the sacrifice of oxen and, and doves and sheep and all these things could not atone completely and fully for the sin debt that we all had, that they had in that world. It was only a, a part, partially good enough. There had to be a more perfect sacrifice. That's what was required. One that willingly offered their life. And one that was perfect in every way, fashion, and form. The animals' lives were taken. They didn't go willingly. And they weren't perfect. They were animals. They didn't have a soul. They didn't make decisions, do right or wrong. They just were there. So they could not be the sacrifice that was needed to completely fulfill the requirement of the law that was established through Moses, through God. Now we see Jesus enters in. In 1 Peter 2, verse 22, it says, Who, this is Peter talking about Christ, who committed no sin, nor was deceit, another translation says God, nor was deceit found in his mouth. Done no wrong. Committed no sin. There wasn't even anything. We've all done it. Well, I didn't lie. I just didn't tell the whole truth. That wasn't even the case with Jesus. He was always completely and utterly honest with everything, doing all that he could to be right in the eyes of his father. Now, he wasn't right in the eyes of the religious leaders because the religious leaders didn't like him. And they brought up all kinds of things against him. And he would always, you know, kind of tell them, you know, that's not what you're, you don't know what you're talking about. I'm the son of God. Trust me on this. That kind of thing, you know. So, but he does that. And he lives a perfect life, loving and compassionate and caring to all that came about, fulfilling the laws, the fullness of the law, not just to the letter, but to the fullness of the meaning of the law. He lived a perfect life with no stain, with no sin, with nothing to be brought against him. They searched everywhere. When he was brought before trial, the leader said, I see nothing wrong with this man. For what cause, for what reason is he brought before me? There's nothing wrong with him. He was perfect in every way, fashion, and form. Well, you say, well, they took his life. That's not one John 10, 18 says. It says, no one, this is Christ talking to his followers, no one takes it from me, speaking of his life, but I lay it down of myself, of my own free will, of my own ability. I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again, to raise it up. This command I have received from my Father. Because of these things, we can have faith and trust and believe that Christ was the perfect sacrifice. He was what was needed to fulfill the Mosaic law. The oxen and the doves and the sheep and all these things. There was, there was grain offerings and there was all the money offerings. All these things that were given was just a placeholder until the, fulfill, the fulfillment of the redemption came about. And we know that that is through Christ Jesus and He alone. Amen. We need to understand that that sin, once again, is serious. Not just was, but still is. It is a serious thing that we need to take seriously in our own lives. Because that price of death was paid by Christ through his sacrifice and him offering himself, as John says, on the cross, of giving his own life for us. Understand this is this as it pertains to the gospel message. Okay? Write this down. Understand this. Memorize this. I'll post it. I'll do something. I'll share it with you. God cares for His creation. We talked about that a couple weeks ago. He cares about us. 
Even in our sin, He cares about us. His nature that is good and perfect requires Him to punish sin. He has to. It's the antithesis of Him. He can't just overlook it. He just can't let it be. He has to punish it. But it's also His nature that is good and perfect that brought Him to offer a way to obtain forgiveness. And it was because of His love for us that He provided the necessary sacrifice Himself through His Son Christ Jesus. Let me further on into that. He made the punishment. He established it. Death and separation from the divine. That's what he said. He told Adam and Eve, basically, i, I got to cast you out so you can't live forever. You can't continue to eat of the tree that will give you a life forever. So I'm casting you out. You can't walk with me in the cool of the day anymore. We can't do that. You won't know my presence. You, don't, you won't know what it's like to, to feel me like that anymore. And when you die, you won't get to be with me either. That, that's just not how it's going to work. Sad to say. But he said in that moment, he said, but there will be one that comes from your seed, Eve, that will crush the, heel, the head of this, of this serpent, of this enemy, of this snake that, that it bring, has brought death and all these things about. And we see that we understand that. But not only did he make the way. Here we see in Exodus 29, 10-14 talking about the sacrifice. Not only did he make the way of forgiveness, but he provided the sacrifice that was necessary as well. Let me put it in this situation. Say you love your wife so much. So much, right? You love her to death, poor you're married, and you said, and maybe she said, hey, you know, I'll marry you, but but you gotta get me a really nice ring. Really nice. It's gotta be, it's gotta shimmer, and it's gotta shine, and it's gotta be really nice. It has to be the certain cut. I want the princess cut. I don't want that old diamond cut, because everybody gets that diamond cut. So give me that princess cut that's unique, it's personal. I want the pink gold, not the regular gold, not the silver gold. The pink gold matches the skin, the complexion of my skin a whole lot better than those other ones. And I want you to do it just right and do it perfect. But then she turns around and she gives you the exact ring that she was requiring for her hand in that relationship. It's the same thing with God. He said, hey, in Exodus, this is the rules. This is how we're going to play this game. You've got to offer sacrifice to roll the sins away, to even have any kind of relationship with me. If you want me to be your God, you've got to offer up these sacrifices. You've got to follow these laws that I've given you. But then he turns around. In a few generations, he gives the sacrifice that he was requiring. And says, oh, all those things that I told you it was required, let me fulfill it myself. Because you can't do it in your own self. And we, can, we need to recognize that. Sin was, was destructive and was destroying everything and would, will continue to destroy everything. Right. And God saw that and He knew that and He had to stand against it. He had to go against it. He just couldn't let it be because that's not what He created us for. He didn't create us to live in sin, to partake in sin, to have sin be everything that we have in our life. He made us for more. Jesus even said in one place, He said, I came to give life and life more abundantly. Because He knew that sin wasn't the life that we were supposed to have. But God saw that He stood against it, but He said, hey, I know I'm against this, but I'm going to make a way for you to get out of it. And not only am I going to make a way for you to get out of it, I'm going to give you the means to have access to that way. Now listen, I don't know about you, but there's a lot of times in my life that I expect something from somebody, but I don't help them fulfill it. That I want to see somebody do something, but I don't go out of my way to help them get to that place and accomplish it. But that's exactly what God has done in this situation. 
He set an expectation and then he helped us meet that expectation. Not only that, he met the expectation himself and said, you just get the rewards from it. I don't know about you, and I know we ain't a crazy shouting church and all that stuff, but but I think that's some pretty good news, don't you? He didn't just make a way and said, figure it out. He didn't just give us the the, the Mosaic Law and say, you go and you go after it and you give it your best. He said, here it is. But you can not have to worry about that because I'll fulfill it. And I'll cover it. And I'll take care of it. You just have to accept it. For me, man, that's good news. That's the gospel right there. And that's what it's all about. And that's why we come to church. And that's why we worship Him. And that's why we serve Him. And that's why we give our lives to Him each and every day. That when we mess up, we ask for forgiveness. That's why we continue to do what God desires for us to do. Is because of that reason. That we messed up. Humanity messed up. Big time. Broke the most beautiful thing that was ever created. In the perfection of the Garden of Eden. And and the creation of life. We broke it. We messed it up. We did it wrong. And God said, hey, there's a punishment for this. Because I'm too good to overlook the bad that you've done. But I will give you a way to have forgiveness. And then I will provide the way for you to have access to it as well. And I'm thankful for that. Amen. That didn't just have to be the rich. didn't just have to be the religious elect. It didn't have to be born in some place to some family to some name. But it's anybody has access. Because he offered his own son. As the payment for our sins. And I think that is so. Just so amazing. But what I want us to. What I want you to leave with. And and what I hope you leave with. Is is a deeper understanding. That Christ. Has fulfilled. All that is required. For us to receive salvation. He has fulfilled it. He has fulfilled it. All we have to do is accept it. That's, That's all that's required. On our part, it is through His works, what He has done, what He accomplished on this earth when He gave His life and when He was resurrected. It is through that that we can be saved. What that means is that we cannot work our way into a place of good standing with God. Even when we have the best of our lives in front of us, even when we do our best and we've got our lives all put together and things are going good and we're doing all the right things and we do the best that we can, even at that point, we cannot be good enough to receive the gift of the of salvation through ourselves. It is impossible. It is through what Christ has done, it is through what He has done and His works that our salvation is dependent upon. And that alone that doesn't mean that we should embrace our sinful nature right. he says in one place he says little children i would i'd rather that you not sin but if you do sin you have an advocate with the father he doesn't want you to mess up and sin and come short and do the things that adam and eve did that broke the whole thing in the first place he doesn't want you to do that he knows you will he knows you'll come short so he's offered this already my son is still here my son is my son is still the way his blood remains it still covers a multitude of sins but i don't want you to do that I don't want you to go that way. I don't want you to walk that way. So it doesn't mean that we should just embrace our sinful nature. But when we look at the gospel message, and we look at where we've got to at this point, we see that God cares, and we see that even in the fall, He's making a way for us, and we see that He's good and faithful to His promises, that He'll deliver us, that He'll send a Redeemer, that He'll do all these things for us. He'll never leave us, He'll never forsake us, He'll go with us even to the ends of the earth. We see these things, and then we see what we've talked about today, that God not only made a way for us to get forgiveness, but He fulfilled the requirements for us to have it as well. 
That should encourage us and inspire us and drive us that once we have received that gift of salvation, that we follow Christ obediently in all things. That we do what he has required of us, that he do what he asks us to, that we are obedient to his command. He says, if you love me, you will do whatsoever I have commanded you. Whatsoever I've commanded you. Amen. Bless you, Lord. So as we look at this gospel message, and next week we're going to talk about we're going to talk about what our reply should be, how what our reaction should be to the gospel message. But we'll start here. We should recognize that when we see these things, the threads of the gospel message that that is in Genesis and Exodus and all these first couple of books of the Bible with the laws that are written out, when we see that thread already started, the foundation being laid, the story already being told in that part that's going to be fulfilled through Christ Jesus and is continuing to be fulfilled in our lives today, it should inspire us and invoke emotions in us and that drive us to serve Him and to worship Him and to lift Him up and to do what it is that He has required of us and to follow in His footsteps. Yeah. Bless you, Lord. And I'm thankful that we can look at this and we see a caring and we see a loving and we see a passionate God that as soon as we sin said, I will do anything to get them back. I will do anything to make it right. To fix that, that, that broken, I'll do it all. And I'll do whatever I can. I am um, growing up. Uh, my mom, what was it called? Um, home decor. What was the home decor you would go? Somebody'd come in and they'd have the nice shows and and then they'd sell you something for forty dollars that you could probably get at the Dollar Tree or something like that. Home interior. That's it, Faye. Okay. Um, home interior. She she had this this Jesus statue. I think it's supposed to be him out on the water. He's going like this, right? Well, there was a rule in the house to not play with balls, okay? Um, throw them around or bounce them or whatnot. Well, sometimes we didn't follow that rule. Um, just once and every now and then. And uh, there was one time she had this nice little cabinet. Had all of her nice little figurines and stuff on it. And, and one, one of the balls, we, we, we were just bouncing it that day, just gently. Um, and uh, something crazy happened. So I don't know if some just great wind blew through a window or an earthquake or something, but this ball ended up hitting this cabinet um, and knocking the Jesus figurine off. Okay, so so we got on a huff. Mom was outside doing something. I don't know. We got on a huff and it broke one of Jesus's arms. We're like, we can fix this. You know, I mean, I played with Legos enough. I know how to put stuff back together. We can fix this. We got some kind of glue or something. And put the arm back on in a rush because I mean she was just outside she'd come in any moment we gotta put this on we gotta fix this and uh, she didn't notice it that day or the next day but there was some time in the, in that in that time period that she got to looking at Jesus you know and uh, she was like something's different about Jesus and uh, in our hurry in our rush to fix what we had broken um, we. We glued Jesus's arm back on the wrong way, and where Jesus was standing out calm in the sea, now he was DJing, and I mean it just kind of went, went. It was just, it was not right, okay. And that's the same thing with our salvation. When we try to fix it through our own works and through our own abilities and what we can do, we can't. We won't fix it. We'll make a mockery of what salvation is. Amen. But when we allow God to fix it. When we allow and accept the, the plan and the path that he has made 
and that He has given us access to, we can receive the fullness of the gift of salvation that He offers us and desires for us to have. And that once we experience that and feel that, it should fill us and overfill us with joy and, and, and feelings of gratitude and thankfulness that we must express through our words and through our actions and through our treatment of others. Amen. That's the word that God has given us this morning. I, I pray that, that you look at this scripture. And I, and I pray that you, you leave realizing that there was nothing that you could have done to fix this. No way in your own power and your own ability to earn some gift of salvation. There's nothing we could have done. But God, he said, I'll make a way. And I'll send the Redeemer that they need to fulfill the requirements that I've established. So that they can have this gift. This great and this glorious gift. And I'll fix it. I'll fix it. I know a lot of times in my life when I preach, we celebrate Jesus as we should. But God orchestrated all this. And a lot of times we look at the Old Testament and we think, man, God is harsh. But, but when you really look at what God is doing, He is beautiful and He is wonderful and He is kind. And you can see that He really does care about His creation. Amen. That He really does care about His creation. So if you